Thanks, Mike. Thank you, Amanda, worship team. Appreciate Evan Kirby filling in while well, Jen is out today. Uh, if you're like, hey, I know that guy. Yeah, Evan is, uh, is a solid rock person and was actually on staff for a while and, and, and uh, was able to step in today to help lead the team. So super thankful for him doing that. Um, glad you're here. Good to see you, church. Um, always, always a blessing just to get to be with you each week. And if you're visiting with us today, we are super glad you're here. Um, if, uh, if I haven't had a chance to meet you, I'd love to meet you. My name is Jason. I serve as lead pastor here, um, one of the elders as well. I'd just love to meet you before you leave today. Um, I just want to say this. If, if you are visiting with us, um, Solid Rock is a church where um, you may have heard this earlier in the video, but like our, our true desire is that we would become a place where uh, broken people gather together to meet with the Holy God and, uh, and learn to walk with Him in daily life. And, uh, and so that's really what we're here to do today. Um, if, you, if you came in today thinking you needed to have it together or you needed to hide that brokenness, let me just in, invite you now, just you can put the guard down. We don't need you to have it together to want to be with you today. So um, just another thing too I was thinking about um, as we were getting started today, you saw like Center of Hope out here. Like we do that like once a month just to touch on some of the things that we're doing. But like I was thinking as a member, because I'm a member of the church as well, like, it's just a good reminder to know that when we do, you know, give, like, what we're giving is being invested in ways that, like, um, are, are, are amazing. Like, the things that God is doing through your generous giving, um, that, that's another reason why we do that. We want you to know what's happening. And lives are being changed, and marriages are being restored, and, and we're able to provide counseling and care for those who've been abused and those who are in addiction and just all across this you know the spectrum of things that could be going on and like there is God is doing a lot of powerful things in the lives of our people that you probably aren't even aware of and so week in week out you may come in and like you're part of the singing and you may give financially I just want you to know like there's there's a lot happening uh, that God is doing and so just wanted to bring your attention to that um we are going to be in John, the Gospel of John in a minute. So just a quick uh, kind of series overview. Uh, the, we're going through a series. The title of the series is The Greatest Commandments. And this comes from a conversation that um, Jesus had with a scribe who came to him and said, Jesus, what is the, what's the greatest commandment? And his answer to that question was this, um, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then he goes right into the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And so what we're doing in, in this series is we're actually trying to answer the question then, well, who is God and who am I and who is my neighbor? And so we're going to spend the first seven weeks, this is week two, trying to answer that question, who is God? If I'm going to love him, I need to know who he is. And then we'll spend a few weeks looking at, well, who am I? And then we'll end with, with who is my neighbor? And so this is week two on uh, who is God, and we're start, starting super high level. Last week, we looked at the God who was and is and who will always be, that whoever God was a thousand years ago, he has always been that, and he is still that today, and, and he will always be that, right? And so then today, we're going to be talking about the Trinity, this triune God, and so you're in for a treat. In about 30 minutes, I'm going to fully explain the Trinity to you. I was actually this week kind of just getting started and I was like, man, what passage of scripture, what primary passage of scripture am I going to preach from 
uh, to talk about the Trinity because that word, that title for God doesn't show up in the Bible. There's not a Bible verse that contains the word Trinity. And so as I was kind of looking from cover to cover in the Bible, I actually came up with like 16 options of like primary texts that we could use this morning from which to narrow it down to one. And, and so I narrowed it down to 20. Um, and, and what we're going to do actually is see how um, throughout the Gospel of John, um, God is revealing himself, Father, Son, and Spirit from chapter one all the way through. Um, and that pattern really exists in the entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation. God is consistently revealing himself as one God, three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit. And so that's what we mean when we say Trinity or triune God. We mean one God, three persons. And, and if that's already blowing your mind, um, that's, that's good. Um, that's where awe and worship come from uh, when we engage a God who transcends human categories, who transcends what we can fully comprehend or box in or explain. And so there's, there's the consolation for, for your struggle with the Trinity. Is like, no, that's actually meant like to lead us into worship, to help us see that God is not like us. You're like, well, I've never met another being who existed in three persons. Right. That's, that's, that's God being not like us. And so we're going to start in um, the Gospel of John chapter 1, and then we'll make our way to 14, which is where Mike was reading. But uh, here's the question I want to start with. If God has always existed and didn't come from somewhere else or something else, what do we know about God's eternal existence before he created the heavens and the earth in Genesis chapter 1 verse 1? That is the beginning of all things he created, but that's not the beginning of God. So what existed before that? What was God up to before that? Because whoever he is today, he has always been and will always be. So we go to the Gospel of John, chapter 1, and here's how John, remember he's one of the disciples. Uh, He had this really close, intimate relationship with Jesus And so he's about to introduce you and me to Jesus, this one who came to earth and walked and died on a cross and resurrected from the grave and then ascended back into heaven. In chapter one, verse one, he says this, in the beginning, that's on purpose. You see how that parallels the beginning of the Bible? He has on his mind Genesis 1-1. In the beginning was the word. And if you're reading you notice the word, word is capitalized. That's because that is, that is a description of Jesus. He's calling Jesus the word. Do you remember how God created all things? He spoke them into existence. And so Jesus is being referred to as the word. It says that the word, Jesus, was with God. You're like, whoa, I'm already trying to figure that one out. Not only that, the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So if you're picturing Jesus in the beginning with the Father, creating all that is, that's the right picture here. It says that all things were created through him and in him was life and that life was the light of men. So Jesus isn't just there in the beginning witnessing creation. 
He's involved in it. We move to chapter 14. This is where uh, Mike was reading. We'll start in verse 6. And Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So now we have Jesus the Son referring to God the Father. He says, you can't get to him unless you get to him through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him. Why? Because you have seen him. So Jesus is saying, you know who the Father is because you know who I am. You know what it's like to be with God because you've been with me. You know what God looks like, what God sounds like, because you know what I look like and what I sound like. You know a lot about my Father because you know a lot about me. Well, Philip is going to ask a question. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. So I don't think Philip's catching on because what Jesus is saying is I've actually shown you the Father. So he's trying to track He's like, okay, well then if you can show us who the Father is, then show us. We're ready. And Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long? You still do not know me, Philip? You kind of hear the, you hear what he's saying there, right? Like, I just told you, I've already shown you the Father by showing you who I am. And you're asking to see the Father, and I'm asking you, like, man, we've been together a long time, Philip. Are you not grasping what I just said? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? And then Jesus, in verse 10, says, Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me or else believe on account of the works themselves. And so Jesus is quite simply saying, if you know the Son, you know the Father. If you know the Father, you know the Son. So even if you only had the Old Testament, you can know who Jesus is. He's in me and I'm in him. No one gets to the Father without going through the Son Seeing the Son means you have seen the Father. Knowing the Son means you know the Father. The Son is in the Father. The Father is in the Son. And the Father speaks through the Son. Okay, now we've got Father and Son, clearly. But what about the Spirit? So keep in mind, Jesus is getting his disciples ready for his departure. Where is he going? Well, he came from the right hand of God the Father Right and was born, he incarnated into our world and lived among us. Now he's getting ready to go back. And he's letting his disciples know ahead of time, guys, I'm getting ready to go back where I came from, to the right hand of the Father. I'm gonna prepare a place for you. I'll come back and get you, but that's, that's where I'm headed. So he's having this conversation with them. And in verse 16, he says this, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. So I'm going to ask the Father to give you a helper who will be with you forever, who will not depart. Who is the helper, he says in verse 17, even 
the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him. Wait, 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 wait. How do I know him? For he dwells with you and will be in you. So the son is going to ask the father to send the spirit and the spirit will dwell in God's people forever. In a similar way that Jesus is like, the father's in me and I am in him. Now Jesus is saying the helper, the spirit I'm going to send is going to be in you. We drop down to verse 26. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. I mean, if there's a Trinitarian verse in the Bible, that's it. The helper, who's the helper? The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So the Father is going to send the Spirit in the Son's name. The Spirit will teach and remind God's people all that the Son has said. And think of it this way. If you think about John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten Son. Okay, think about that. The Father sent the Son. The Son returns back to the Father, and then they are going to send the Spirit. That's what just got described to you in verse, or chapter 14 of the Gospel of John. One God, Father, Son, Spirit. Now, two chapters later, we'll look at another spot here in the Gospel of John. Here's what we read. This is in chapter 16, verse 7. And keep thinking about asking the question around, what does it mean? God is one God, and he's also three persons. Verse 7 says this, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, who's the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Then jump down to verse 13. When the Spirit of truth comes, this Holy Spirit, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. Not only that, he will glorify me. That's is Jesus talking. For he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Then look at verse 15. All that the Father has is mine. So the Son is saying all that the Father has is mine, and the Spirit is going to take what's mine and declare it to you. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. There are clearly three persons in the Godhead. Now, the temptation might be like Philip to only see them as three persons and go, okay, well, Jesus, tell me more about the Spirit. What's the Spirit going to be like when he gets here? Like, we can already hear Jesus' answer to that. He'll be like me. <laughs> well, what's the Father like? And this is Philip's question. Well, well, tell us more about the Father. And Jesus is like, I don't have to tell you more about the Father. The Father has already shown himself to you when I came. If you know me, you know him. If you've seen me, you've seen him. If you've heard my voice, you've heard his. Well, this, this helper, this Holy Spirit that's going to come, what's the Spirit going to bring? The Spirit's going to bring all that's mine. And all that's mine, I, I got from the Father. Three persons. Um, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 reminds us of this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God 
the Lord is how many? One. So it's not enough to move to where Philip is and go, oh, okay, so we're dealing with three gods then. That's kind of, I think, where Philip was in that moment. Because the scripture is clear. There aren't three gods. There is only one God. Deuteronomy 6, verse 5, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. So, this is God revealing himself to us. Now, what we're going to do is we're going to shift a little bit to, okay, what does that mean for us? Like, for me and you, like, I don't know how many of you got out of bed this morning going, I really hope we can learn about the Trinity today. Um, Most of us came here today hoping for something, looking for something, expecting something. And so what does it mean for you then that God is one God, yet three persons? Like, well, how does that apply to your life and my life? What we're going to do is just look at a few examples here and we're going to come back in the who am I part of this series and we'll actually dig deeper into this. But for today, I just want to take you back to creation, Genesis chapter 1. And now that we've walked through John, listen to God talk about creating you. Okay, I want you to hear these words. This is what God says in Genesis 1. Then God said, how many gods are saying this? One. Let us... Make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man, God and man, in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. We, as humans, were created in the image of a triune God. What was before Genesis 1? We could spend hours speculating and pondering and trying to imagine it, but here's what we know existed. The Godhead has always existed. The Godhead has always existed in an honoring and loving relationship within the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. They didn't start honoring themselves when Jesus showed up on earth. Like that has always been. The Father has always loved the Son. The Son has always been the only begotten Son of the Father. The Son has always honored and glorified the spirit the spirit has always honored and glorified the son the son has always honored and glorified the father they did that within themselves that's within the godhead and so while we could speculate and ponder and try to imagine what was before everything was what we do know is this the father the son the spirit have always existed they have always honored one another they have always sought to glorify one another and they have always loved one another and You and I as humans, you can't escape what I'm about to say. You were created in the image of a triune God. Something about you and me is different from anything else God created. From the most amazing things like a sunset or a mountain range or a canyon or an ocean or a starlit sky. The most amazing things you could imagine that God created, yet you and I as humans were set apart. 
We were created to reflect his image in the world. We're on a mission that God said, hey, here's what I want you to do. Go into the world and make disciples. Make disciples of the nations. And he says, hear, hear me though, you're gonna be baptizing those who become disciples in the name of the Father and the Son and the Spirit. That's why when we baptize in our church, we baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Your salvation, my salvation, if you look at Ephesians 1, uh, verses 3 through 13, or 2 Corinthians 1, in a more of a summarized version, 22 to, 21 to 22, you're going to see that our salvation, your salvation, it is secured by the work of a triune God. The Father, the Son, and the Spirit are all involved in your salvation. A lot of times we focus on the Son's part in that, right? He died on the cross, paid the price for our sins. He went to the grave. And then on the third day, he rose from the grave, defeating sin and death. But we know that in that, those three days, the son was entrusting himself to the father. The death would not have the final word. And you know, even there on, on the cross is crying out to the father. Trust his, his spirit to the father. And then he dies and he is buried. In three days, he raises again. The son is very much involved in your salvation because it's trusting in that work that you and I are saved. But we also understand Jesus is saying, nobody comes to the Father but through me, so your salvation is also the work of the Father. The Father is also like, involved in calling and inviting you to himself. Think of the imagery of the prodigal son. The Father is on the porch waiting for lost and broken souls to decide to come home and he rushes to greet them. Holy Spirit is involved. That stirring inside of you that's like, I feel like I need to do something. I, I want to move towards God. I, I, the Holy Spirit is working in you. The, just the ability to, to understand who God is and to be drawn to him is the work of the Spirit in you. Not only that, we're, the Holy Spirit seals us in our salvation, guarantees your inheritance of eternal life. And so, Father, Son, and Spirit are very much involved. Romans chapter 8 says this, that it's actually the Holy Spirit of God in us. Remember how Jesus like, hey, my Spirit's going to be in you? When Romans chapter 8 says this, God's Spirit in you is that, that stirring and that beckoning inside of you to want to reach out to God and call him Dad. To see God as a Father. That's actually the Holy Spirit in you who wants you to see God as a Father. It's the Holy Spirit who who reminds us to call God, Abba, Father. We're gonna land in 1 John chapter four. I want you to see this and come back to this idea that you and I are image bearers. And something about us as humans reflects, characterizes, images who God is in a way that nothing else in creation can. And I think John nails it here in 1 John chapter four, starting in verse seven. He starts with the word beloved. That's, that's a one word and it means this, you who are already loved. So he's saying, hey, you who are already loved, let us then do what? Love one another. For love is from God. Remember we talked about this. God has always, the Father has always loved the Son, the Son has always loved the Spirit, the Spirit has always loved the Father. Now we've, we've experienced that he loves us too. We are the beloved, and because of that, let us love one another. Love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and 
knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest or visible among us. So he's about to tell us how the love of the Father, love of God, was revealed to you and to me. That God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. If you want to know what love looks like, the center of the bullseye, you look at the Father sending the Son to the world that you and I might live through him. In this is love, verse 10. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Once again, those of you who are already loved, beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to what? Love one another. Now, just to see how profound this is, verse 12 says, no one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Jesus will say it this way in the gospel of of John, here's how the world will know that you're my disciples. By the way, you love one another. That is the thing we get to do, honoring one another and loving one another, that nothing else in creation can do. The Father, the Son, and the Spirit have always been doing that. They will always do that. And that is what we can do that a sunset can't do. That a star-filled night can't do. When we walk in a loving and honoring relationship with one another, we bear the image of God. And bearing the image of God is perfected when we live in loving and honoring relationships with one another. I'm gonna, there's a, um, a liturgy we use in our Thursday morning men's fellowship group. Um, and this is just a liturgy to remind us of really where our desire and need for fellowship comes from. And so we read this every week on Thursday mornings. I'm just gonna do half of it. I think we have a slide here. So we gather together, we say this. The purpose of our existence as humans starts with God. God reveals him to us in the scripture in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God has always existed. Therefore, God has always existed in a loving and honoring relationship within the Godhead. God did not create us because he was lonely or, need re- or needed relationship. He already had that. He created us to be the Imago Dei. That's the image of God and to reflect his character and qualities in the world by how we live in relationship with him and one another. From the Ten Commandments to the one another's, God's laws and instructions guide us into flourishing relationships with him and one another. The quality of our lives is measured not by the amount of money we have in the bank or the amount of equity we have in our home or the title next to our name, The quality of life is measured by the quality of our relationships. We exist to cultivate relationships with God and one another. To say it another way, our very essence as humans is intertwined with our ability to forge deep, meaningful connections 
with God and others. And through loving and honoring one another, we mirror the communal nature of God himself and fulfill our ultimate purpose in the world. That's why you're here. I mean, not just like here on Sunday morning. It's like why you're on the earth. It's why you're living on this ball of dirt and spinning really, really fast that nobody falls off of. Matter of fact, if you fall, you actually fall to it. <laughs> Spiraling around this fiery star in the middle of a galaxy at just the right angle and speed and you know, axis angle and like all those things to allow life not just to be sustained but for it to be reproduced and to go on. And it's why the universe is here that you and I might bear the image of God. And the way we do that uniquely from other parts of creation is how we relate to one another through love, through honor. We're gonna stop here and um, now that you have the Trinity all figured out, glad. Just put that in your pocket. Now you know. Um, I would say this, if for you, you're trying to gravitate towards a simple view of the Trinity and some kind of illustration to illustrate it in a way that you can put it in your pocket, you're, you're heading in the wrong direction, okay? So whether you use, like some people will try to use water and go, well, that's the same way that water exists in a gas, a liquid, and I, you know, like, or an apple, you got a stem, fruit and seed. Like, I, I know those kind of help us try to imagine it, but here's what I don't want to do. If we start moving towards simplifying it, what we're trying to do is try to put God in a category that's human. Okay, so this, this idea of God being a triune God, it won't fit in our categories. If you're moving in a direction where you're like, well, that's just too much to think about. I don't even want to think about that. I'm just not even going to refer to the Father, Son, and Spirit. I'm just going to call him God because it's too confusing. Hey, that can be a wrong direction too. And you can get, kind of move towards this idea of just like a, a generic God, a higher power. And that God could be the God of many different religions. There's only one God who reveals himself this way. It is the true God, the great I am, who is one God existing in three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit. Let your heart and your mind be stretched today. Let your worship and your awe and your wonder of who God is go up today. Here's some questions for us to think about as we wrap up. First question is this, how does seeing God's existence as an eternally relational God impact the way you understand your own purpose in the world? What does this mean for you on Tuesday morning? Next question. How does the mutual honor and love within the Godhead shape the way you love and honors, honor others? And maybe we should back up and go, man, how could it? <laughs> how should it? Because you're sitting here going, I don't know that I've ever thought about that. That's okay. That's why we're doing this today. How does the mutual honor and love within the Godhead now begin to shape the way you love and honor others? Maybe you've already been loving and honor, honoring others and something about that just felt right but you didn't fully know why. 
Now you do. Let's think about application for us as a church. How does the unity within the Godhead, despite distinct roles and persons, shape your view on unity and diversity within the church? Very unique roles, right, between Father, Son, and Spirit, and Jesus is like, hey, I gotta go. It's to your good. I'm gonna go, and I'm gonna send the Spirit, like different roles, different persons. How can that then inspire us as a church when we think about our different roles and the diversity within the church? Like, how can that move us towards unity? Like, despite the different roles, there's no disunity between the Father, Son, and the Spirit. They're never having a side conversation trying to argue through things and figure things out. They're always in unison. What the Father has, the Son has. What the Son has, the Spirit has. So how could that then impact us as a church? And then I want you to think about this one. Considering the Godhead's eternal relationship of love and honor, what could you do this week to to take a step towards cultivating long-lasting and meaningful relationships in your life? For some of you, you've been doing that, and now you're like, oh, that's why that matters so much to me. But maybe you're here today, and you've been walking in isolation and disconnectedness. And something about that doesn't feel quite right. Super lonely. You're just dying for somebody to see you. What step could you take this week? Because, you know, the thing is, we're talking about long-lasting relationships. You can't create those in a week. But you can take a step this week. So what step could you take towards cultivating long-lasting and meaningful relationships in your life? That's what you're meant for. And yes, marriage is one of those expressions, but it's not the only expression of that. Jesus says, this will actually mark those who are, actually, who are mine. Long-lasting, deep, meaningful relationships. I'm gonna pray for us now, and, and as we get ready to wrap up today, uh, our worship team will lead us in singing a song. And this is meant to give you space to both reflect and then maybe even respond in some way. Um, if you want somebody to pray with you today, Um, about anything going on our prayer partners are here and we say this now almost every week they came today looking for somebody looking for them so they're looking for you come grab them they'll be on this side and this side Um, we also have uh, we'll have elders and pastors around this room and out in the commons who are wearing lanyards come grab one of us if you need to stay seated and just reflecting on how God's speaking you today you can do that you could move into a time of personal prayer Uh, you could grab somebody and then go out into one of our prayer rooms we have out in the commons You could stand and sing. I'd love for you to do that too. So I'm gonna pray for us and then however you need to respond today, I just encourage you to do that. So let's pray. Um, Heavenly Father, um, God, thank you for um, your word. Without it, God, we would be lost. Father, without your word, we would have no chance at all of knowing who you are. Father, without your word, we would be left up to human ingenuity to try to discover who you are as one God and three persons. So God, today is not a day about figuring things out. It's a day of trusting. Trusting you as you are. Allowing our hearts to be overwhelmed by the idea of this eternally existing God 
who has eternally existed in three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit, constantly loving one another, constantly honoring one another. And then, God, today you've reminded us and revealed to us that you actually created us in your image. And so, God, may we take steps today. May we take steps this week to cultivate deep, meaningful relationships and to see that that's what we were created for. Jesus, thank you for your work on the cross that we might have forgiveness of sins, that we might have a way to get to the Father. Holy Spirit, thank you for working in us. Even when we struggle to believe that we are worth your time, Holy Spirit, thank you right now for the way you're stirring in our hearts and speaking to us individually and drawing us in to the Father. I pray now as we sing this song, you would work in in the ways that only you can work. Would you do a supernatural work in this space? We pray this in Jesus' name.